Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this? I'm sorry to say it. It, 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 has, it has come to this, my friend. I'm sorry to say it. No, I'm not sorry to say it. I'm happy to say I'm it. I'm really happy to talk about no, this, this is one. This is, ooh, this is a burner for me. This is a great movie. I I, I always talk like we don't, like we're revealing a surprise. <laughs> uh, here's our trick. Everybody that's clicked on the episode knows exactly what movie we're talking about, but I'm Oh, oh you this guys. special from 1978. This week. You guys will never believe. You don't believe. even know. You won't guess where we're coming from. <laughs> uh, first to know, though, uh, I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. And this is a movie podcast. This is one of my top three horror movies from 78. Whoa. In the late 70s, we're a good year. We're talking magic. You can a movie that... No. <laughs> no. Okay. A movie that you... Uh, could not necessarily classify as a horror movie, but uh, it's a horror movie. This, uh, yeah, it's funny. I actually just saw this for the first time. This was two weeks ago. Wait, this was the first ago, time you've seen it? A week ago when we saw it as a group outdoors. No. First time. I always heard of it. Oh, wow. Never hit the play I didn't actually the magic. know. Um, I didn't know we, you, we, you hadn't seen it. But yeah, this movie is such a bizarre drama. It's, it's classified as a drama horror, and it's so dramatic, and it is like watching one of those existential <laughs> coming to terms with your own humanity 70s movies that yeah. also stars <laughs> a ventriloquist dummy named Fats. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I had no idea you hadn't seen it. I had seen this one before and and really loved it. I thought you had too. But uh, what were you expecting going in? What did you know about this movie? I was expecting a uh, ventriloquist dummy and uh, a ventriloquist named yeah Anthony Hopkins, a uh, young Anthony Hopkins. This uh-huh. one's definitely been on the radar, and okay, uh, you know, I was just thinking about how synonymous he was with Hannibal Lecter, and sure, and all of that. So this was always like the oh, and when he was young, mm-hmm. forty-one years 41. old, forty-one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when he was young at forty-one, <laughs> he did a uh, this cool, crazy seventies, you know. Yeah, it was, but it was like an acclaimed horror performance. Uh, it got him a Golden it Globe nomination. Been. Yeah, yeah. Always thought of, yeah. So it was like way. his first like kind of breakthrough big acting role. And for that to come in a genre movie, mm-hmm. that's cool. That's but, but this doesn't really always get talked about as a stable. Maybe it's two Norman Bates. Well, I think... So what, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it is such a strange... What I mean when it's a bizarre entry, not only is it this young Anthony Hopkins who had just been in... A Bridge Too Far and all these dramatic roles, but it's directed by the director of A Bridge Too Far, Richard <laughs> Attenborough. Yeah, who everyone probably listening to this knows as the guy that gets to say "Welcome to Jurassic Park." Yeah, he's uh, the, you know, the old doctor old of Jurassic man, Park, uh, old man Richard Attenborough in Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Director and uh, and actor, okay. and for him to yeah, he had done these like English dramas and. Yeah. War movies, and then goes, yeah, let's do a uh, psychological horror movie about a <laughs> you know crazy ventriloquist. I I had so I had seen this before. I didn't remember that Richard Attenborough had directed it. 
You know, I remembered more of the small cast and right. the intense uh, short scenes, a couple of major set pieces. Now, but what vibe were you expecting? Were you expecting more of an overt horror movie or like, you know, that Twilight Zone episode where totally. the guy's uh, kind of obsessed and controlled by his dummy? Yeah, I've always been genuinely frightened of ventriloquist dummies. Okay. Like they get to me for sure. <laughs> the way that people are afraid of dolls and stuff. So the uh, horror movie directed by the director of Gandhi <laughs> exactly. also <laughs> is still going to... Uh... But still, this is quite a, a ventriloquist dummy we get here. Quite a dummy. But I grew up reading the Night of the Living Dummy Goosebumps book. That's and, one of the best... And, th- and that was and one of the... that's a scary book. It's a scary book. For it's one kid, of the best Goosebumps. Yeah, for a kid, that's a scary and book. And it's a re- recurring Goosebump character. Oh, yeah. There was like three... Uh, Night of the Living oh, got, Dummy. I think ones. he got spinoffs too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy was all over the place. So that guy was a Goosebumps legend. So okay, so that yeah, was the, the, from the when you were already like twelve, thirteen. Yeah, the dummy from yeah, Twilight Zone is classic and and all that stuff. That that's it's a well worn trope. Yeah, ventriloquist so, dummies are a thing that have oddly hung around, considering they haven't been relevant in your or I's lifetime. Exactly. It has not been a relevant... Well, I, get, I say that, but then Jeff Dunham Well, I was going to say, I think the huge. number one money-making yeah. comedian is still the guy with the old man yeah, dummy. Yeah. Hey, I'm an old Walter, man. Yeah, that still apparently just crushes. So, What's great is that the ventriloquist dummy is always a nuanced character. <laughs> He's always a... Uh, I like how in tight they go. Yeah. They don't just settle for broad brush strokes with ventriloquist dummies. But uh, I was kind of expecting more of a like uh, head trip as far as psychedelics oh, and okay. maybe like uh, lights and and shadows and stuff. Mm. But this movie is actually all about misdirection. Yeah, and this <laughs> Very movie much. really commands your attention in a way that I was not prepared. It's an intense combination of close-ups, yeah, and sweaty faces <laughs> and uh, people being uh, tortured internally by some kind of anguish or fright. But it's also people uh, lying, hiding the truth, yeah. concealing things, and... Uh, Acting. Right, yeah. And yeah, exactly, deceiving people. So it's actually the opening sequence is one of my favorite parts of the movie because Anthony Hopkins, this young kid, this young 41-year-old magician, <laughs> yeah, just pressure. starting out... Yeah. He comes back to the apartment to tell his mentor, Merlin, how his night went. Mm-hmm. And he's telling him all these great things about, oh, they bowed and cheered and loved me and this and that. Yeah. And then you're watching him bomb on screen oh, yeah. as he's reliving the memory in his head. So you're getting the, the opposite narrative. So like, if you're not watching the movie and you're kind of just like not watching the movie, you're not going to get this. Yeah. it's So it's very like, uh, yeah, it's very. It's very misdirecting. And this is how powerful and well done it was. Uh, you're seeing this uh, visual of him bombing. Yeah. For me, not many things more painful than watching it's somebody torturous. bomb. It's torturous. It's torturous. And, and like you said, he's just soaked in sweat. He's so sweaty. He's He looks like a puppy dog uh, you know, left on a corner somewhere. He's yeah. just out of his just, element under the lights there. It's, it's, it's a real nightmare for anybody who's done public speaking. I, I'm a pretty oh, yeah. good public speaker, but even then... It would be very easy to be rattled by people just not paying attention. And it's this nightmare for a performer where this full club is all interested in things that aren't him mm-hmm. and are out lauding him. And man, you remember like 
Cafe du Nord shows. Oh, God, yeah. Which would just be half of a bar talking over the music. Doing, like, doing their best to be as loud as possible. Yeah. During a concert. During like a, oh, man. Whether it's one guy on an acoustic guitar or a full band, yeah. That place always had so many loud talkers, and it's that same thing. They're doing this while this guy's up here doing, what, he has five minutes? With Something the sand like, in the the hourglass, right, it's right, an right. amateur night kind of thing. It's a really cool sequence because he's he keeps telling this great story, and then you're seeing the reality mm-hmm. juxtaposing to the. But it, it feels like dialogue. we're both going to the same place, and I'm I'm interested if it hit you as hard as it hit me. The misdirection you were talking about, you're watching him bomb, but the story he's telling is so offhandedly convincing. Mm-hmm. that you're watching him bomb but still being like well maybe a couple of these people are starting to turn there was one woman that seemed like she was giving him attention and he got a couple of chuckles and so it's like you're watching him die up there but at the same time i was also like finding these successes that matched yeah yeah his story i know what you mean you're you're seeing him persevere yeah and yeah you think he's on the verge of getting it and then merlin tells him don't bullshit me tell me what really happened yeah and then you see the reality reality, right? Like <laughs> yeah. maybe his version on screen isn't even quite as bad as it was. Right. And then you're seeing the reality reality and he's screaming at the audience. Yeah. Oh my God. And it is, it's a, <laughs> it's a bleak way to start a movie right? called magic. <laughs> to see a guy almost at the end of his rope already. It's like a falling, like this guy's basically falling down. Yeah, man. The magician. This is bad lieutenant. <laughs> Harvey Cartel was a magician. <laughs> no, pretty this, much, right? This movie. Like, he's th- this not su- in a good spot this here This sucks mentally. to say. This is a fucking Joker movie. <laughs> it's, it's the new king of comedy Joker. You know what? Yeah. Done so much better. Because every one of these movies has done so much better than that. But it's that king of comedy, like blurred reality of a performer mm-hmm. kind of nightmare and god not much more painful than a sweaty uh scared in the lights magic act boy that's a long thing to sit through there was a few long things to sit through in this movie this oh, had yeah. the same kind of intensity for something as something like the brood that movie was hitting me that same way those oliver reed intense Oh, therapy yeah. scenes it's very emotional this movie mm-hmm. is is gets to the heart of what it means to be emotionally attached to a man who is psychotic yeah and there's a whole yeah there's a whole thing basically once he bombs we cut to a year later where burgess meredith of all people yeah becomes in my opinion the best part of this movie but he he tells us he's got the exposition job of telling us that hopkins is back after a year, <laughs> yeah. he, well, well, the he, thing... he worked on his craft, and now he's got a following, and now he's popular. For a movie that gets so serious and psychologically scary, uh, Anthony Hopkins' character is named Corky. <laughs> he's named Corky, yep. <laughs> so everybody's like, I'm telling you, Corky's been honing his act for a year. <laughs> That's a great Burgess Meredith. Thank you. Great Burgess <laughs> Thank Meredith. You. I too loved Burgess Meredith He's in this movie. This. What a gorgeously like serious, poignant performance. He was at his peak during this era. Mm-hmm. This was back to back years with Rocky, uh, Day of the Locusts, where he plays Karen Black's 
uh, old vaudeville alcoholic dad. Oh, cool. Back-to-back Oscar nominations for both of those. Wow. And then the year after that, this movie. He got an Oscar nomination for a movie called Day of the Locust. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah, right? <laughs> I love Day that. of the Locust. That's great. Burgess Meredith. Yeah, great, great uh, Karen Black performance. This too. is this is among my favorite Burgess Meredith that I've ever seen on screen. It's an as a guy who loves him from the Twilight Zones and the Batman's. Yeah, he is so great as first he well he's he's a high profile you know what agent mm-hmm. who's going to get this Corky booked on the shows. So at first yeah. he's this grandiose. He's a William Morris. Yeah, agent. yeah. So he's got this great grandiose persona, smooth talker, very convincing personality and then there's a scene later we'll get to where he's very human Ooh. personal down to earth serious caring and he's not uh, in the movie for probably incredible. more than 15 minutes uh, and there's not many people in this movie mm-hmm. you know it's a really a four or five person cast but the calm confidence right and old veteran presence that he brings to his character and you know the the character was like an old performer Mm-hmm. turned agent and so he has that performance and he understands performers they call him the postman because yeah. he always delivers <laughs> that's burgess meredith that's burgess meredith baby I love it he he's good this is an award caliber performance mm-hmm. anthony hopkins performance is important uh it's it's a it has to carry the movie you know these he basically interacts with one person at a time in right. a series of sequences but he is the constant and that's difficult. He's in every scene, basically. And he's great. He's amazing. But with color like Burgess Meredith, it lifts it so much higher. And he was great. This is probably my favorite Burgess Meredith in a career full of great, fun, varied performances. But Hopkins is so good. And Anne Margaret is this great version of an America's sweetheart type, which Anne Margaret was. But now she's... In her 40s. Mm-hmm. She might have peaked in high school. She kind of knows it. And it's such a nice little warmth and realism brought to that character in the movie. Ed Lauder. Mm, yes. Big Ed Lauder fans here. Yeah. At So It's Come to This. <laughs> <laughs> in this house, this we guy's celebrate great. Ed Lauder. I love it. I, ta- I, I tweeted something about Ed Lauder once and one of his sons liked the post. Hey, there you go. And it's like, oh, yeah. Sent me a message about... Uh, sometimes he just looks up cool stuff about his dad. Ed Lauder was <laughs> a movie nice. dad. Legendary dad. Legendary uh, upper management. Mm-hmm. Legendary town sheriff. Ed Lauder was a great guy to be in cool things. And this was another kind of horror movie trope performance character. The husband who's returned home from still dealing with the rocky marriage. Hopkins is the new beau, and he brings like a little bit of extra, you see where he's coming from, side yeah. to it. He's not just a one-note, scotch-drinking, drunken asshole. He wants this to work still. So the movie's just... He's very relatable. Yeah, the movie fleshes out these smaller characters for Hopkins to interact with. And then you have Hopkins having to interact with Fats, <laughs> which is just some of the most... Impressive performance-related stuff in a movie. I'm thinking Black Swan I was has that performance intensity hmm. where I was really living and dying with some of these Natalie Portman moves, the new Suspiria, 
those ballet scenes where I'm kind of scared that I'm going to see an ankle break or something. Cause there's a weird violence to this kind of dance poetry and it's kind of bringing something like that. Yeah. Well, he apparently did learn to throw his voice and to do the oh, ventriloquist wow. stuff. I didn't actually know he um, had such good small mouth movement and the way you ventriloquists have to say normal words slightly different mm-hmm. to make it sound, you know, to make it project. Like when he's doing everybody, every duddy, right? You know, every doing duddy, I did yeah. They, and I didn't know he actually learned it. I just assumed they used, you know, off-camera tricks. It's one of those stuff. where, as a kid, you're like, you, you're like told, like, yeah, they, they, they just turn the B's into D's or whatever, and then you're like, but then I'm just going around going, Eddie, Daddy, Eddie, Daddy, yeah, like, like this sounds they, terrible. They can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> they can't actually do that. That great in that opening scene, there's this, oh, this line. As anybody who's performed in any front of any kind of crowd, which both mm-hmm. you and I have. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he says something. Yeah. We're, we're big performers. Old hats. No, jeez. <laughs> I was a theater kid growing <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah. I've been in a play. I got some applause. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> when the people aren't paying attention to his trick and he's yelling at me, he's like, he's like, you don't think this is impressive? You just watched a thousand hours of my life. Right. Like he's been practicing this. He knows how much of a, you know, how he's done. Oh, it's like, totally. oh yeah, that's the nightmare right there. Yeah. All this work that I've put in and this, I can't get one second. Oh, and he carries that kind of energy throughout the movie because his relationship with fats. That's an impressive thing to do. You use Oh yeah, I learned how to speak a different language for this movie. I learned how to play the piano. I learned how to be a ventriloquist. And I think the card tricks too. He learned a lot of those mm. card tricks that he did. I mean, you know, just the, the way he could shuffle the cards and he, his you know, shuffling was shit. strong. And he, he, can you imagine? This is that's like, like a, that's like Timothy Chalamet learning the piano for for uh, Call Me by Your Name. Oh yeah, like what? This is like a you just learned to do Daniel Day Lewis was times. pissed he wasn't established enough when Magic came out. <laughs> there was never too much. There was never enough this. distance between the other. Vin- he wanted to do the well, ventriloquist. They were going to hire Daniel Day Lewis, but then he went away to Croatia to learn ventriloquism for eight years. And by the time he got back, yeah, the movie had been it was made. like a Batman, <laughs> Batman going out to, with Ras Agul, <laughs> like uh, deep in the yeah. Seriously, well, yeah, we made that. That was like five years ago. Yeah, where did you Daniel? go? <laughs> you didn't tell anyone where you were going. Um, but. I had no idea it was that method. I thought they used a lot of tricks, and wow, that really... Well, I'm sure there was. I mean, you know, he worked on it for three months or whatever. It's not like but the guy, you know... The, the pre- we've, we've done one other ventriloquist dummy episode with When a Stranger Calls Back. I was thinking about that, yeah. Uh, so this is our, we are getting kind of uh, dipping more of our toes into the ventriloquist dummy horror. This will be about it, though. This, is, this ties it up. <laughs> I think we're good here. Uh, I well, love the I, the okay, first appearance ahead. of Fats. Yeah, I want to talk about that when too. When you get the the great Burgess Meredith scene with David Ogden Steers, oh yeah, from Mash, who's the the NBC programming scout, the guy who's immediately impressed by <laughs> like the Fats brand of comedy. The th- yeah, <laughs> the thing that kills me about this movie, watching it <laughs> last week and then again uh, for the podcast, I watched it again, and it's like. The one thing that really sticks out is how much everyone loves Fats. Dude, 1970s must have been a different time. I think so. I think people were just entertained by a dummy because yeah. Hopkins is, uh, yeah, 
Burgess Meredith is talking up like, oh, he went away for a year. He came back. Now he's popular. Check him out. And yeah. the NBC guy's like, we can't even book a magician on the Kitty show. Yeah, like, nobody wants to see magic. Magic is at the bottom of the, yeah, the rung. I can't sell magic. He starts out doing like a couple of, so, of yeah, pretty good tricks. Hopkins comes out and does a card trick. Hopkins is like, like, are you serious? You better get better than this. Or I don't think he is, can right? get better. This is He was immediately just like, everybody hates magicians. And then literally they do the voice throwing trick. This was a great gag. It's a f- where Hopkins starts getting heckled yeah. and it sounds like it's going to be an actual repeat of his amateur night performance mm-hmm. a year earlier. That's what I thought at least. That some guys right. actually going to throw him off and then he actually starts like, "Oh, you think you can do better?" And I'm like, "Oh, shit oh shit years gone by Hopkins and he's learned nothing he's fighting a it's heckler. already going up after one trick yeah and then the the reveal that the heckler is the dummy <laughs> that is he has dummy. across the room yeah so you get the great gag with hopkins so going he goes out of the spot fine i'll go out there yeah yeah like they're gonna go fight outside or something and then comes back arguing with a dummy. He's got the big... If this is a giant... It's a big dummy. Giant ventriloquist yeah. dummy. The head is bigger than Hopkins' head. Yeah. Like, it's magnified. And it's made to look like a cartoonish version of Hopkins' head. And when Hopkins re-enters the spotlight with this dummy in hand, this fucking place goes up like the 4th of July. <laughs> it is pandemonium It's crazy. In there. People are losing their shit. Yeah. And even the NBC executive guy immediately is like applauding and like this his guy's eyes convinced. are lit up. Like Jesus fucking Christ has come This out. guy wouldn't have crossed the street to piss out <laughs> a magician <laughs> that was on fire. <laughs> and as suddenly as he, sees he has a fucking a- dummy in his, in his lap. He does a total 180. He said, you didn't tell me there was a <laughs> ventriloquist act involved. And he looks at Burgess Meredith like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And Meredith just is like, got this sly like, eh, he, what'd I say? What'd Burgess I say? Meredith was so confident that this would be the reaction. He just does a little head tilt like, I told you. He knew his crowd, man. Told he knew you his, you should have trusted his me. 1978 crowd. I've never seen reactions to a thing in a movie no. as much as people reacted to fat. It was the most movie. buoyant, joyous reaction of of glee and excitement. It's ge- it was genuinely like they brought out a puppy or something, yeah. and people were just like, "Oh, look at you! Mm-hmm. Look yeah. at you, little puppy!" Somebody brings a dog to work, and suddenly 19 women in the office are not <laughs> exactly. at their desk anymore. Or they're swarming, yeah, somebody's new baby. Oh, I've seen it happen. That's what it was. It was new crowd over babies. Enthusiasm. Yeah, the room blew up. It was the reaction (laughs) of like a a bride and groom coming back, you know, come into their reception. It was just a booming celebration (laughs) for a pair. (laughs) You know, like. It's like a a, a Iraq War veteran greeting their child (laughs) at the airport. Just like. <laughs> These people were there to see magic, meh. And then they realized they were actually there to see a ventriloquist show, and everybody was just like, no. Like it was people being finding out they were on Oprah's favorite things. Oh, yeah. Oh, everybody's just like, got no a- way. It was like everybody got a car. People just dancing in the aisles when <laughs> Fats is being brought up. 
just like oh just dry humping <laughs> like it was crazy i and this movie was made three years four years before i was born and i've never witnessed this kind of enthusiasm for a dummy by the time i was a child dummies were the things like gabbo yeah. Being part of a funny old act. Oh, man. Not a uh, relevant thing. I couldn't get over it. So, oh, man. And the dummy has pretty vintage dummy cat skills material. Yeah, I was just going to say, and when the dummy does come out, he's basically at 1930s vaudeville level humor. He, he's like a body vaudeville be- he, dummy He's a foul-mouthed, like, uh, yeah. He's they even a- make a joke, like, huh. The first X-rated ventriloquist dummy, uh, like David Ogden Steers, is enamored, and all the jokes are like enamored. all the na- all the jokes are like, "Hey, check out the jugs on this one," and he's like, "Oh, oh, oh, oh. you can't say that." <laughs> oh, fat. okay, yes, okay. I can. It's, you did, you didn't no tell joke. me we were getting this fats, <laughs> and people are loving it. So, so that's this what, is killing. Like, it just blew my mind. Yeah, when fats got that reaction, first of all, oh that yeah, people weren't terrified of this giant headed dummy there's with so... like the, the the thing that really kills me with these dummies <laughs> is like when the eyebrows move oh man and the, and the they ears blink. the ears flap when the when the ventriloquist is just holding the dummy and then the dummy looks at him and blinks and looks away yeah why'd you do that why do you have to do that it's it's intense it's so fucking weird have you ever seen any like live jim henson stuff like when he used to make appearances on saturday night live and the when in the first season or two, mm, and he would do you I know have. like live puppetry. I saw the uh, thing Jason Segal did with the vampire puppets, <laughs> sure, on maybe Conan or Ferguson yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. But yeah, but uh, this all these movements, he really makes these puppets come alive. Like yeah. puppets, really not just doing like the broader reactions, but remembering to do human stuff like blink and kind of fidget. Right, totally. <laughs> and that's what creeps me out. It's uh-huh. it's a little too human. Yeah, like it's not- yeah. The, when the dummy's just looks like he's uh, just waiting to talk, not just sitting there motionless. Like he's kind of looking around at the crowd, throwing in blinks. Yeah. you know, like moving his hand a little bit to stretch out his shoulder. It's like yeah, it's a little too. Uh, but it looks so connected to Hopkins. So let me ask it. Yeah, is ventriloquism magic? Yeah. Can we classify it as magic? That's well, it's great because it gets into this actor's and performer's performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. And this dummy was the key to unlocking his act. He was so frustrated doing magic because nobody likes magicians. <laughs> That's that, that gag went show. out the window in the sixties, <laughs> buddy. We're all very intelligent people here now in nineteen seventy eight. You can't be tricked. By you know. magic. The dummy? <laughs> yeah, but... The dummy's talking. Yeah, that, yeah. The dummy was the glue <laughs> that, yep. that brought his career together to a smashing success. Now he's been on Carson. You know, he's like a hit nightclub comedy act now. Well, it's crazy how the movie makes you think he's about to go into this big showbiz life. Mm-hmm. And then Hopkins, in either performance anxiety, but we learn later that he's afraid to be found out to be the crazy cuckoo hit he is. Yeah cancels all of this the movie takes a huge stop and then left turn it's like a like 35 it's a dave in. Chappelle going to africa it's kind crazy. of thing going yeah. from like a guy who's just blowing up and getting big to being like where did this guy go yeah he's about to go to vegas then they're gonna get him on a sitcom and yeah 
as interesting as that would have been, maybe the budget's not too high on this movie. No, so but, they're but like, I like that, you know, I love the King of Comedy. Uh, mm. I love that level of performer. I love that Rupert Pupkin was a good performer. That this guy had a charisma, and he didn't, he didn't just have a hacky act, and it wasn't just some joke that thought he should have been big. Right. And that's a nice touch. There's a really good scene that didn't really strike me the first time I watched it, but it struck me again this last time with him in the cabbie mm-hmm. when Hopkins impresses this NBC scout who, you know, earlier in the night said, you dragged me down here for a magician. It's an actual quote yep. from the guy so upset while Burgess Meredith then smoked a 17-inch <laughs> long cigar. <laughs> it was like a comedy prop length cigar. He, he it, that was almost a magic trick like pulling the handkerchief out of your pocket. Yeah, how deep was ends. his breast pocket in his his sport coat? A cigar the size of a golf club comes out of what, his pocket. I love Burgess Meredith's <laughs> old man look in this movie. Oh, he was an old man. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, <laughs> but it it's the same kind of old man I like in a Scorsese movie. You know, he's got the the totally bald top, just the silver hair along the side. Got those great kind of sports booky glasses. The big glasses, yeah. The big glasses on the old men is always Junior Soprano. Yeah, sure. give me some of that. Yeah, I love that look. Burgess had kind of these Joe like, Pesci t- in the he had, yeah 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 the exactly. Irishman. But yeah, these were kind of like these cool, like tinted glasses mm-hmm. too. Yeah. That's what it felt like the De Niro Casino glasses. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> had the tint, you know. Uh, but I, I like this look at a performer. And this has to be so frustrating when the cabbie is talking to him like Anthony Hopkins is just a guy who lucked into this life. Hmm. Like, man, some people just get lucky, you know. Not that he just spent the last decade of his life doing one thing mm-hmm. and only one thing to the point of obsession and he's just like yeah who'd you i saw you on carson you look the same as you do on the tv so how'd you get how'd you luck into that gig it's like oh is that your friend know somebody that works there like no i train every day <laughs> to do this thing and the guy's like you know i sing really good but uh you know i know it would knock him out but you know i just don't have your connections like People don't get it. Right. Most of society doesn't understand how, uh, you know, the worst baseball player any given season is better than any baseball player they've ever met yeah, yeah. in their lives. You know, somebody that washes out of the WNBA would actually absolutely smoke any friends I know that play basketball, <laughs> you know, of destroy course. them. Of the course. worst athletes in, in a professional sport are insane. And that's like with performers. These people put so much time. You always hear like Jimi Hendrix, like nobody had that kind of natural ability. Jimi Hendrix in every photo you see him, Candids, always has his guitar. Mm-hmm. He never stopped practicing the guitar. It was all he held constantly. He didn't just magically become <laughs> the best guitarist ever. I think you he know? just had some pretty good connections. Yeah. He just probably <laughs> knew the right people, right? And that's how people view these, you know, they oh, these... Just because yeah. they lucked into being a basketball player, no, <laughs> these play these people have devoted all of their life to this so far. Like, oh, and people don't get that with performers sometimes. The the hours that even, I mean, Anthony Hopkins in this movie went out and found a guy named Merlin to train him. 
That's dedication. Yeah. That's, that's that seems that seems like a smart mark right, right. there. That's yeah. like you're getting too fooled by the razzle dazzle. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just something about that. How'd you look into that? Mm-hmm. Has to be like a oh yeah. Every athlete or every actor loves hearing that they didn't earn <laughs> whatever status they've got. I'm to, sure. You know? Yeah, I'm sure they get that a lot, right? Because they they're good at some of them are good at acting like real people, <laughs> you know, like normal <laughs> down to earth people, and so. Yeah, I I like how we keep getting these introductions to new people, but they don't have like weave through the story. We mm-hmm. very get them paired off through a lot of these. We get Burgess Meredith back later. We do, the... but yeah, it's such a well, it's such a one eighty that he goes from this up and coming glamorous you know lifestyle yeah. we think we're gonna get, and then he ditches it all, returns to the Catskills. Yeah, it goes to his home, nowhere. his hometown, um, which is his hometown is basically a lake with three houses. Yeah, <laughs> by the rest of the set, <laughs> and uh, yeah, then it kind of turns into this weird like uh, I don't know, like why he's hiding out. He's he, I was getting like I'm a, not sure why he I was goes getting there, the I psycho guess. vibes from this part of the movie. Hmm. It, it it turned into it went from king of comedy and turned into psycho because it's this boy kind of hiding out in his childhood while you know hiding out from his future success and also uh, maybe going crazy. And and, and kind of knowing he's going crazy, he knows enough t- that he can't pass a a physical. Well, that, yeah, that, that Burgess Meredith wants him. That's to a take. great Burgess Meredith scene with him outlining how this kid's career. It this kid, <laughs> this forty one year old. That, they keep kid. calling him kid. Yeah, hey, kid, you fine kid. Yeah, forty one years old. This this kid with the crow's feet. Yeah. on his eyes. Uh, but him just really talking like. You're hearing this news as a performer. This is the dream conversation you're hoping to hear. Oh, yeah. Like, we're booking you on this show. The next day you're booking on this show. Then you're going to book this series that they've had written just for you. Then you're going to go out to Vegas to play packed 5,000. Like, this is like everything you've worked for paying off. We just set you up. And Hopkins can only focus on how much he doesn't want to take a standard physical. Mm -hmm. And keeps coming up with these, like, incre- like at first, like, well, that's not too crazy. But then it's just like, no, because then you accidentally fail one, and then they brand you as crazy. It's like, well, most people don't go into those going like, oh, I hope I don't accidentally fail the the crazy test. Yeah, I don't think you ever accidentally fail the crazy yeah. test. That's like, oh, uh, I shouldn't have said that? It's like, uh, oh, uh, we, we can't let the president talk to Mueller because we're afraid he might, you know, get tricked into <laughs> perjuring yourself. You can't get tricked into lying. You just choose to lie. <laughs> so just this like, no, no, I, I don't. I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't need a test. Yeah. I'm fine. I'd take one, but I don't need it. And Burgess Meredith is this. I love that they made this agent an ex-vaudeville performer, an ex-comedian. Because he understands. He knows tells. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a visual con. And he recognizes when he's being conned. Right. And he doesn't outright say, you're bullshitting me. But you can, his body language. You you heard his father's mentor earlier say, you're bullshitting me. Mm-hmm. And this is a different veteran performer recognizing when he's being conned by another performer. A younger performer. A kid. Yeah, he knows something's up. <laughs> he but, also has a great moment. I just want to point this out because it's kind of the central theme of the movie in a lot of ways, Burgess yeah. Meredith early on telling the uh, executive, 
that uh, you can't book magic on TV because it depends on misdirection and you can't mm. misdirect the camera and that the dummy is the misdirection. Yeah, and the I dummy, think, it was the glue that finally like yeah. helped his misdirection and help him command the audience's attention. And just that idea of misdirection comes into play because this movie fooled me a few times mm-hmm. with what I thought was going on on screen. Yeah. And uh, it is very clever in that way, but also really does demand your attention. It does. In that way. It's, it's just there you go. <laughs> uh, Little I, note. <laughs> all the scenes command your attention. Yeah. These are intimate performances. And these are actors who do that. Yes. Yeah, Hopkins is definitely a master of commanding the attention and sucking you in with his intensity. In every, no matter the tone of the movie, he has scenes in with Emma Thompson in The Remains of the Day mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that are so touching and so loving and so you know human, and like Hearts in Atlantis, the mm. uh, the Stephen King adaptation, great. I never Command- saw that. Oh, it's good. I should check it out. It's very good. Yeah, he's great. He's like this Shakespearean actor who's also some of the most iconic, or at least one of the most iconic like horror villains yeah. of the last 30 years. An Academy Award winner for yeah. horror. That, that's a special class in yeah, the Horror Hall seriously. of Fame right there. And again, this one, he got an Academy or a Golden Globe nomination. Mm. And even that's cool. Horror getting nominated for acting awards is cool. Guaranteed. That's always a good thing. Right. So it that puts you in at least the talk for Oscar. If you get a Golden Globe nomination, usually you're right there. You're in the pick. And, and I think it takes that kind of psycho turn. This guy going back to confront his childhood and retreating from success and purposely holding himself back and being bound by traditions that he's kind of forcing. Mm-hmm. And now he, see that. he also brings fats with him. Oh gosh. The dummy comes with him. The obsession so with fats and this is where there's one kind of leap and Margaret helps this a lot. Mm-hmm. Cuz this could have been a sticking point with a lesser actress. She brings that, you know, high school charmer now in her 40s. Right. And life didn't turn out quite the way, but she's not uh, dead inside. <laughs> she's got some spirit in there still and she's beautiful cuz she's Anne Margaret. Mhm. And Anthony Hopkins was like the friend zoned guy in high school mm-hmm. who liked Anne Margaret and couldn't come out and say it because he was too shy. He didn't have fats at the time. Didn't have that icebreaker, <laughs> this thing that has helped countless nerds adapt <laughs> to society, the ventriloquist dummy. One of the most horrifying things I've ever seen is that episode of Freaks and Geeks. Where Sam does his like ventriloquist oh, yeah. bit in front of his oh, father's party and gets into a fight with his dad. That is some of the most like like <laughs> neck clenchingly uncomfortable viewing ever. There's never any time when a dummy talks on a screen where I leave with relaxed shoulders. It's always bad. It's always bad. <laughs> I'm just thinking of crusty. Having that knockoff doll trying to compete with Gabbo. And jaw falls falls off. off. He kicks it into the kids. (laughs) So fucking good. There's never anything good. (laughs) Ray J. Johnson. Never good. Unless we're talking Waylon Flowers and Madam. (laughs) That's the the obvious outlier here. Mr. We all Rogers love, also gets we all a pass love, with his, his puppets. Yeah. yeah. 
But once we go into the ventriloquist dummy line, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And we see m- so much. There's so few people in this movie because we see a lot of Hopkins and uh, <laughs> the dummy. Fats. Fats. <laughs> we see a lot of Corky and Fats. Their time together is like quirky. kind of quirky. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> How's the guy that's the dummy? N- not the dummy named Corky. It's a very dramatic movie, and then it's like Corky. Yeah, see, hearing Anne Margaret coo about Corky is so like oh Corky. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, but the the scenes with Hopkins and Fats is something like when I'm alone and I'm having conversations with tacos. You know, <laughs> where, cat. Yeah, yeah, my cat. Where I'm just like doing his voice asking me to feed him and like oh, grabbing yeah. oh chats out loud with I do myself. that with the dogs so often yeah and it's, it's like that weird thing that everybody kind of does but we all like do it in the privacy because it's only when we're alone right i'm not talking in taco voice when you're around no <laughs> but then like hopkins is just it's this level of performance where you're using your routine as your safety blanket you fall so deep into your routine because it's the only comfort you have right now. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories like Mike Myers going to parties as the love guru oh. and not breaking character, so not having normal conversations with people. Out just, of all the characters yeah, that he's inhabited, just go, he went he's with the really, love guru? This, that one needs the most selling, I guess, still. He thinks it's a grower. Maybe... <laughs> But can you imagine just being at a Hollywood party and Mike Myers, who's a guy who has been in some comedies that I adore. Well, sure. The Wayne's World movies are... Wayne's World 2 is one of my top five comedy movies ever. I love it. And... But, dude, the lo- just... Can you imagine just being at a party and just wanting to chill with your drink and he just wants to be like, ooh, ooh like doing this weird brown face. Right, right. It's, it's just like, the idea dude. of someone who's always on. Yeah, the idea of being on and just yeah. like performers trying to work other performers when you're not performing. And that's the level that you get to see of Hopkins. Mm-hmm. He's always so just sweaty and uncomfortable. And it feels like a man who thinks he's turning into his dummy at times. <laughs> you know, he's just being possessed by this thing. He, there's even a scene where... He goes to the bathroom. The dummy's like, what are you doing? What's yeah. going on? And he's behind the door, like, ugh, ugh, just trying to get a break from his dummy Yeah, that it, he voices. Yeah, eventually he starts talking to the dummy, and the dummy starts talking back when they're, yeah. Just, just when they're hanging. Just in their room together. Yeah. But, uh, and we get this scene, and like I said before, without Anne Margaret, I don't know how this could have been. We get this scene where Corky does a magic trick for her. Because mm-hmm. she's been this beautiful woman like i just love magic he does like a card trick and she's like yes she recognizes him from tv yeah like she knows and and i think she also recognizes him they they both you know obviously recognize each other growing up they remember each other but at first we're scared they didn't recognize or remember each other so but she clearly recognizes him from tv because yeah he brings fats and she turns into this 16 year old bubbly girl who's just like oh fats but she's got that great smoky voice you know right the yeah the voice is uh which is you know that shows like her age despite her like bouncy personality and looks and they have a weird chemistry because uh i'm not tot i'm still having such a a hard time believing that she'd be so into 
uh, sleight of hand magic. That's the thing. It's so crazy that because even... she's also married. Yeah, there's that too. And so she also there's has to too. weigh whether it's worth also uh, having an affair with a magician. And for most of it, she's like, I think I'm gonna have sex with this magician. Yeah, well, that's car- so into magic. That card trick. Yeah, you were you were gonna bring up. That yeah. is a very key scene in this movie. Very Dude, intense scene. Anthony Hopkins is so intense and berating in this scene. Yeah. And, and, this, and it's got a cl- constant like ticking clock. It's got this these close-ups of hands moving quickly over yeah. cards. And it's very it, intense. That's why I say this movie has some of the same level of power that The Brood did. With mm. Oliver Reed just like like you're the one being oh, yeah. possessed or in Get Out when you're the one being uh hypnotized. Those Oliver Reed scenes are so good and this has that same level of Hopkins just berating Anne Margaret for not concentrating hard enough on the trick. Like, he blew the trick, and then he's blaming it on her, which is, to me, that is such a, just an automatic deal breaker. Mm -hmm. If I went on a date, and my date insisted on doing a magic trick, (laughs) and then was yelling at me for messing up the magic trick, it would be just, I think we're good. Well, they wanted to do it, or she wanted to. Yeah, she wanted to. She wanted to see this magic, but But this was the... It's funny, because it's like, you just reconnected with this guy and he's like oh i know a magic trick that merlin used to do about his soul about finding his soulmate." yeah oh we should do that together. we should do that together this guy that i've just seen for the first time in 15 years yeah Maybe running into a former that. student uh classmate of yours 20 years later yeah uh and within four minutes he's like pick the fucking card <laughs> Exactly. You weren't thinking about it enough. You weren't thinking about it enough. You made me ruin this. Like, where's Fats? Where's my dog? Like, they've been talking for 10 minutes. And he's just flipping out on her. And she's like, okay, okay, I'll try better. Jeez. She's, I've never seen so a woman want to make a magic trick succeed so bad. Or make a man. This was the most patient. Like, make a man happy. Yeah, this was the most. Like, she should have been like, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> yeah. There was so it's many different trick, stopping bro. stopping points where she like, could have... Excuse me, you don't yell at me in my own house. Yeah. That's not going to happen. She wouldn't yet. have even had to interrupt him at certain points because there was times where she was just like, no, yeah, I know. I'm going to try harder. I will. Yes, I'm thinking about the card I'm thinking right only now. about... I'm, I'm taking this seriously, okay? Exactly. It's like, oh, I've nobody should be that patient with a magician. Nobody. No, but anti-magician PSA. Thank God they try it again and it works, and they immediately, yeah, get that was to business. the pants taker offer. That it's, was all she needed was the car trick to work, and then she's like, "Get up in this bedroom." <laughs> okay, that's a problem. Fats at the foot of the bed was also disturbing. Fats. No, I don't think that happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did cut to Fats. He was sitting in a chair just in the living room. Mm-hmm. And it looked like a guy just like a voyeur. Because his eye, yeah, we it's didn't creepy. see his eyes move, but his eyes are always looking at the camera. And I am convinced the biggest reaction a magician has got from a card trick <laughs> in history, like the best possible reaction that any card trick has gotten is... Oh, yeah. That is it. (laughs) That's it. I just can't buy that a woman's like, get your pants off. Get upstairs. You crushed it. I had the three of spades. 
pants off. Totally. I can't. <laughs> I know I I know that a lot happened. Even from... those David Blaine videos where people are like, What? Yeah. No one's ever like Mind Let free. Me get that dick. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, this is also that level of creepy. The movie oddly never focuses on it, as in nobody brings it up. He exclusively wears matching outfits to fats. Oh yeah. They have the same sweaters and the mm-hmm. same jackets and the same hats. But nobody ever says like, ha you and your dummy dress the same. You guys. Every day. Like your sister sister. <laughs> like every day. And you see their suitcase and they have like, some of them. Like, did you buy the sweater that only came with a dummy size sweater? Or yeah. did you have that specially? How made? limiting to your wardrobe is it that you're like, I need it in adult medium and child's large. <laughs> <laughs> only right. those two how many sweaters that's why fats was so big he had to fit yeah right clothes. how many sweaters with like nice argyle patterns do you think you can find in an adult man's and also a child's i will say there's a picture in my in parents 1978 i don't know in my parents hallway there is a picture of me at like age six with my dad and we're both wearing blue blazers well, there you go and uh, like white shirts and khakis mm-hmm and my mom said, and and sweater vests. And my mom oh. said it was because I wanted an outfit like my dad's church outfit. So we had like there matching out. So I was basically with a blonde bowl cut. I was like a, my dad's ventriloquist dummy. I don't think we did a bit. Sounds like a creepy. We photo. did some open nights, but it never like <laughs> it never really never went that, any. No, never killed. It never really. Well, got you wouldn't there. go blue enough. Right, you I didn't, didn't want to go blue. Like and uh, if your dad kept pushing for the jokes. I used to get jokes. a boner, but then I got <laughs> Dutch elm disease. Oh, 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 oh fats! Oh my! One of his jokes is literally the jugs lady. He goes, "Wanna have a roll in my shavings? Roll in the shavings? Yeah, it killed. Get the fuck out of here killed. with that shit! It killed. Maybe the worst joke I've ever heard." <laughs> That stuff kills, man. Fucking kill me. The anyway, ca- it's the cat skills, man. <laughs> it's the cat skills, that baby. That shit's not playing in Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> it's the cat skills. I feel like this movie, uh, the modern role to Anne Margaret would be played by Maria Bello. <laughs> if Magic were made sure, in sure. 2020, uh, and so Mar- Anne Margaret as a Maria Bello type is really cool casting for me, and I think she's great in it. And when Burgess Meredith comes back into the, into the, on the mm-hmm. scene, this is when the movie becomes extremely noteworthy. This is what makes it a classic, is this level of intense human psychological horror. Yeah, we get a real-time scene of, I think, true perfection. Mm-hmm. I think everything is perfect. Same. Uh, Meredith has tracked him down. Yeah, he paid the cabbie an extra hundred bucks to not tell everybody he's out of the Catskills. Right. And Meredith found him anyway. Meredith found him. And and at that point, he's having an argument with Fats alone in his alone room. Alone in his room, he's having yeah this yeah, loud right. argument. A loud back and forth argument. And then it cuts to Burgess Meredith in the doorway. Yeah. And it's perfect. He's just, he can see, you can see he's just uh, completely heartbroken by what he's seen uh-huh. he's seen his worst fear has been realized this kid is totally nuts this is like he's looking at him the way you know it's like out of requiem for a dream yeah like when oh, you absolutely. see your son's a junkie yes 100%. like he is like this kid is 
is maybe too far to, gone to save. And he just goes, how long you been like this? Or something to, to that effect. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and the way Hopkins, all the air goes out of the room. The it's way Hopkins, Oh, yeah. It got so quiet. Yeah. The way Hopkins panic explains it is so painful. Like he's it's like, oh, hey, I'm doing yeah. it. Hey, I'm just practicing my bit. How Pretty good, huh? And right. Burgess Meredith is not buying it for one second. Because he's probably been standing there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. While they had this bad well, back and He forth. recognizes performers. And I like this yeah. nod that he knows performers that have gotten in too deep. Mm-hmm. That have got that have made this too much of their safety blanket as their bit, right? And it's not the first time you've seen this. This is the longest three minutes on on film, practically. Yeah. When he does, when he wants Hopkins to do a test, Hopkins still doesn't want to do it. He's panicking. He makes a deal with him that if he can make Fats shut up for five minutes. No test. Mm-hmm. And Hopkins has this sweaty boastfulness, which you know is just like, this guy's going to blow it. Oh, This yeah. guy can't do it. And Hop- Hop- what does he say? Like, five minutes? I can I can make him shut up for five years. Mm-hmm. And Burgess Meredith is so good during this because he goes, well, that's what I hope. Yeah. Like, As he's sounds pulling great. out another two-foot-long cigar. a big old cigar. baseball bat of a cigar out of his breast pocket. And when he does this, by the way, he they're in these glass containers for yeah, some reason. Yeah, little tubes. And well, you he, don't want you smelling like cigars while you're not smoking a but smelly cigar. He does it earlier in the movie, and he does it this time, too. He just smashes the yeah, tube against the wall. He just throws it against a wall to break it. He's the guy just throwing small, broken glass around people's homes. What a king. Uh, but but yeah, yeah but yeah they just sit there in real time silently at first well they cheat time in very important ways that i think adds to it hmm. but meredith knows he knows he's right and it's it's a colombo kind of thing where you're setting the trap and you're getting the result you already know you're mm-hmm. gonna get mm-hmm. they don't think they still think they're smart enough to beat you but you are already ahead of them well, yeah, Hopkins drenched in sweat. <laughs> this guy is the guiltiest dude ever. Eyes darting around. And Fat's eyes are darting around. Way too animated already. And he's like, oh, I got this. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> you got another cigar? I could. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Burgess. And yeah, Burgess if he makes him cool. shut up for five minutes and Hopkins thinks it's a great deal, even though he looks pee pants terrified. Yeah. And 30 seconds in, that's when Hopkins is like, so how, how long we got? And it's like, oh, God, this is going bad. Yeah. Four and a half minutes, kid. Yeah. <laughs> he makes one of those super... This this is one of the things that felt super modern. This felt like office, you know, cringe comedy kind of thing. Mm. Where he goes, ho-ho, only four and a half minutes. Like, he's doing a weird jaunty voice. And Burgess Meredith kind of, like, winces. Kind of does, like, a oof. Like, this kid's dying out here. Mm-hmm. And the movie cheats on time in a good way where... They go at half speed. That 30 seconds was an actual on-screen minute. Oh, okay. The 45 seconds, it was a minute 45 on the mo- in actual runtime. So it gives you that, again, that false... Now, do false... you think it was cheating, or do you think Meredith was giving him the wrong time to sweat him out? Well, that's the great thing. You talked about you how know. this movie does sleight-of-hand tricks on you. It tricks mm-hmm. your brain. This movie goes out of its way to set this up. So it's making this scene seem even more punishingly long by tricking your brain into believing that it's only been 30 seconds when it's actually been a minute. Or, again, it could have been Burgess Meredith just 
roasting this guy over yeah. the coals. <laughs> just getting to his answer, turning the screw a little bit yeah. to subtly get him to the breaking point sooner. And Hopkins, yeah, tries to stall by asking for a cigar, another mini bat of a he's, cigar. He's got a second one in there. Thank got, God he's man, carry, he carries around pocket. two foot-long cigars <laughs> yeah. in his breast pocket at all times. It's a real, the hoagies of cigars that Meredith like his, smokes. His back's going out. <laughs> he's just like, well, I he's don't a get small, it. compact man. I got to so carry 10 pounds of cigars on my chest at all times. Um, so you can tell it's a desperation move to maybe try to occupy his hands and mouth yeah, yeah, with yeah. a cigar. That's how I read it. And two and a half minutes in, when we get about halfway through this five-minute hell, they speed the time back up. So then the time catches back up. Hmm. So then it feels like it's racing a little bit. And that's when you get the... I thought it was so heartbreaking when Hopkins goes like two, two and a half minutes in. I'm not going to make it. Yeah. He just admits it. <laughs> like which he I did can't. not see coming. No. Uh, yeah. He can't. Two and a half minutes was hell. It was torture for him. And what's weird is he's gone more than two and a half minutes in other parts of the movie. But it's that performer's weird closeness with his act that if he's being told he can't do something, these comedians lose it. This happens still. Hmm. Tim Allen gets roasted for saying like a topical pro Trump joke. And it's like, he then complains that he got fired from his show for it. You know, they're being censored hmm. and feels like that. Well, it's like anything. Once you are told you can't do it, uh-huh. you once you can't do it. do it, it's all he can think about. Yeah. He can't, he's done this thing for every day of his life constantly. And then you wonder if it's a multiple personality thing or whatever. If, if fats is in there fighting, <laughs> To get out even yeah. more so because he's. Been I, I told used he him can. earlier, but imagine just telling Jimi Hendrix, like, just put down that guitar. <laughs> just leave it over there in the corner for like five minutes and talk about something else. Sure. Nope. I don't think he could. These people live this, they earn their status and their, their success a lot of the time. And this is a guy just in too deep. And the breakdown where he lunges out at fats and just starts speaking like he's the micro machines guy right just getting it all out like oh finally like it's been torture holding in fats voice and burgess meredith's look is like a just looking at a relapsed mm-hmm. junkie it's like the look in you know the wire when uh that when mr presbo realizes that kid is like using money to just further a crack lifestyle he's choosing that you know and he knew he was only going to trick him once but it was worth it it's like damn that's high drama the look burgess meredith gave him yeah that's what i'm pretty sure it's stuff like that that even though he was in the movie a quarter as much as hopkins makes him stand out so much he's really responsible for all the important emotional shifts the real ones oh yeah well what's great is that then hopkins Admits he has a problem. He accepts help from Meredith. They drive back to the yeah, city. Yeah, this scene starts nice to seem like a hospital. No, no, no. Wait, that's not exactly what happens. <laughs> Instead, he kills Meredith with the dummy. Yeah, bashes him with the ventriloquist dummy. Then drags him out to the town lake where yeah. they all live. Just drowns an old man. And then drowns him in the middle of the lake in the middle of the night. Yeah, this is the big horror scene of the movie for me. Yeah, well, 
it really does seem like uh, he's admitting his problem. Everybody knows that's a big step, no matter how small the problem is. Uh, and then you get, you know, the sleight of hand where the dummy is bludgeoning Burgess Meredith to death. <laughs> but it doesn't do like something Argento would do where you just are supposed to believe a dummy can run across a, a room right. in a mansion, <laughs> you know? De- yeah. <laughs> Kim, all right, we should have done Deep Red and Magic. Our ba- that's, the, that's the next time a ventriloquist is showing up. Definitely. Deep Red. Definitely. But Argento's just like, look, I don't know how that dummy ran across that room with a knife. That's I don't need to explain that. We're going on to another thing. This one, the movie doesn't cheat. By making it like, wait, Hopkins wasn't even near that thing. What's going on? Right, right. Doesn't cheat. Uh, no, the dummy tells him, uh, you have to get him. Yeah. he's going to tell everyone Yeah, Hopkins about us. is like, yeah, should I? And, and what what do I do? What? How do I do it? He goes, with me. <laughs> yeah. Kill him with me. Yeah. <laughs> it, had this, it had this subtle sick scene after he gets done. And the... The dummy is so big, he's able to be used as a blunt instrument. His head's very effective. He just it's basically a swings his ball. yeah swings and. the head at Burgess Meredith and just beats him to death. And then uh, afterwards, when Hopkins is doing the like, "What have I done?" You hear this like, oh, like and you're like, "Oh great, the victim's still alive." Then the camera pans down, and it's him moaning as fats Hmm. it's fats with his head busted open and burgess meredith's blood in him and fats is the one moaning (laughs) he's making fats recover from his injury and just like oh god like that's so much more like you know i gotta commit to the bit right now fats would be in pain so i gotta commit like oh that didn't stand out to me the first time but this time it jumped right out as just oh this guy's gone this guy's it I mean, well, that's you, why you I did just murder a if man. If it's legit, like multiple personality disorder, where yeah. Fats is his own autonomous personality in this brain. Well, the movie keeps hinting at that, but it never really uh, decides. It keeps it still ambiguous. Hmm. Where how much this guy knows what he's doing, uh, and I like that. And it had yeah. the acting quality to pull it off. Uh, we get another. So one character exits by yeah. way of dummy death Meredith another character uh, character enters with ed louder yeah again another just all-time favorite so like an hour into the movie after anthony hopkins has returned to the catskills made love to ann margaret yes killed burgess meredith yes an hour in then we learn that ann margaret's husband is coming back early ed louder is back in town and already suspicious yeah ed louder is a great take on the spurned scotch drinking trucker type ex, you know, on the rocks husband. He's the guy that really like this thing in the Catskills. It's already like wooded and misty and foggy. <laughs> yeah. And then he comes in with the full beard and the beanie and the flannel. It's such a like a uh, foresty <laughs> yeah. 70s. And like, Louder's what is that? the. Like, uh, what is that? That 70s like. Like deer hunter in the well, jacket. Got that, he's got that narrowed eyes, uh, workmanlike hair. Yeah, you know. You know, again, we've talked about this before when actors were successful bald. Totally. <laughs> I've never seen Ed Louder with with hair. <laughs> you know, he's always got like super strands Definitely combed the back on top. Going yeah, yeah. But, but he's he, the he just feels like such a classic seventies like yeah. drama character. Like, yeah, hard and- life working man. 
five easy pieces type character. It does have that five easy pieces vibe. Yeah. And yeah, he just looks like a, a working man and it's not played for, for yucks. Right. And usually those characters are kind of a necessary roadblock before the third act. The guy comes back as, you know, we need another distraction. We need to occupy these people for a bit longer. So you get the stereotypical abusive husband and we're supposed to root for and Margaret to get out of the relationship, right? Right. Except he's the overbearing, jealous, keeping her chained to the house. A couple shots of J and B. No, <laughs> drinking yes, some J and B scotch. I did notice J and B made an appearance. Uh huh. Always a seal of approval. Oh yeah, that's movie. always like. Well, you got that J and B scene. Never <laughs> seen anybody pouring that green and gold, and not go like, okay, this is. I like where we've gone. Yeah, totally. So yeah, you got Ed Lauder's. So I like the movies that actually add a little bit extra to that character. And in this one, we kind of start getting a There's, baby face turn. It's a from huge him. like relationship, lovers quarrel. Yeah, he's lovers not triangle. It's drama. not so cut and dry. It is a guy who is sick of his failings and wants to fight for this, but he is failing and he's acknowledging it. And so it's not just this one note, like angry X that you want him to run away from. Cause then you start rooting like, Oh man, Ed, Mar- and Margaret should probably work this out with, uh, with, with Ed. She does not, she is somehow blind to what she is getting into mm-hmm. with Corky, <laughs> with Corky. <clears throat> and so he, Ed Lauder is suspicious and he has good reason to be. Because then Anne Margaret is also very, very convincing with her deceit mm-hmm. when he confronts her about his suspicions. And this yeah, never... they have a really dramatic scene in the bedroom. Yeah, where... and it feels... The acting is so strong that it doesn't feel like, oh, we're just doing this to make them, you know, manipulate us. No, but it feels like a fucking Tennessee Williams play. Like in it's the as strong as that, of yeah. this movie. It really very is. much so. It's intense. Totally. On a purely emotional... Like I said, this movie was emotionally draining. Yes. To watch. Yeah, it is. 100%. I was already exhausted after the five minutes of no fats, which turned out to be barely over three. Yeah. That was three minutes. I, I did. Interesting. I, I, I dorked out and did a stopwatch. Sounds, I, I take your word for it. I yeah, was, yeah, I was yeah. suspicious because when it, I can't help it. If a movie, if there's ever a countdown clock, my brain automatically starts Absolutely. counting down in, on the seconds. And so some right movies are you. super honest. Others, I'm sure we can come up with. Like, okay, this is like, we're four minutes past. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I like the the closer a movie gets to it. And I can't say if that was intentional or not, that they slowed down the first half and then rushed to a, his counts got much quicker. Hmm. So, I don't know. No matter what they do, I don't know how, I'd love to see how the editing of that scene was. If that was a DVD special feature. Right, right. I'd love to see how they chose to edit it. Because, whew, that was... I, my eyes were wide open staring at that. And so Ed Lauder gets into it with Anne Margaret. Like, I'm glad you said Tennessee Williams. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't thinking Or like that. Virginia Woolf, like Who's Afraid of Virginia totally. Woolf. Totally. That kind of just like pure, like, or real just married. Modern, like fighting. Noah Baumbach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, you know, Absolutely. it's in that same vein. And it's hidden right here in the middle of this ventriloquist thriller. <laughs> you know, that's when. One high-end great thing about this movie is it hits these unexpected notes from what your expectations might have been. This is a psychological drama 
and thriller. Yeah. And you get that relationship scene that seems like a real relationship. It seems genuine and it seems hard. Mm-hmm. And then you get another like horror movie pastiche of like Ed Lauder inviting Anthony Hopkins out on the boat. Oh, yeah. And that's when the movie gets all Hitchcock because the movie's shot in this way where you see Ant- from Anthony Hopkins' shoulder and it keeps giving you that POV of Ed Lauder with his back turned. And it's forcing you to think. Hopkins is going to murder this guy out in the mm-hmm. middle of the lake. That doesn't happen, but you're visually prepared for that to happen based on all the other Hitchcock and thrillers you've seen. Well, that scene also, he's they're fishing and Louder grabs <laughs> something. Gets something big. Gets something big. In the lake that Burgess Meredith had been drowned in right, the so night before. Hopkins is worried that it's the body that he's about to pull up. And it's very, I mean, it's that's straight, so Hitchcock. That's man. straight out of Psycho, where he pushes the car into the lake and then yeah. it doesn't submerge for a second before it does. That that tension, and I love that because Ed Lauder's out there thinking he's got a domestic problem. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins is in the boat. Do I push him over the boat? Is he about to find a body that I just buried in this yeah. lake? Like these two guys are. The camera lingers so long yeah, on on that. Ed Lauder reeling in by hand this big hunkin piece that he's caught and hopkins just when do i just like, at what point do i just actually murder this man right like how, do, how I, do i get out of this how do i get out of this and one thing i love about that ed louder brings to this scene is you expect the boat scene to be a threat or a fight or a struggle on a boat and ed louder more just opens up to him mm-hmm. he starts off caustic anthony hopkins diffuses it uh using his honed powers of persuasion he's good and louder opens up to him totally that's the element you don't get from that character and i love that they brought that i love that they made the movie an hour 45 instead of an hour and a half Mm -hmm. that would have been one of the things that would get cut if this movie were edited down is ed louder opening up about how he doesn't know what to do to not lose Anne margaret right he's yeah he kind of makes this move like i don't know what to do and yeah and hopkins tries to reassure him a little bit and, yeah well hopkins you can is, tell is snaking him yeah but exactly all the levels that are being played between the two yeah and then you add the extra level of him not wanting this body to be found <laughs> yeah this man i murdered and yeah when the reveal is that it's just a big heavy log that he's hooked that yeah. whole thing was just classic hitchcock in the best way great reveal so many guys have it's not a ripoff because there's so many guys. It's such a style that lends itself to different interpretations and mm-hmm. different scenarios. We've seen too many good ones from De Palma and movies like this to say that they're derivative. It's just when you find something that works, it works for a reason. Well, and then, Hitchcock stuff is this <laughs> the, that kind of tension. Yeah, it works for a reason. That tension gets built and built and built. Then it gets released when you find out it's just the log that he's hooked the line on instead of the body. Yeah. Then they immediately the bo- <laughs> find the body. And the body's like, oh, wait, what's that over there? And then they, yeah, they both like look up and the body is on the shore. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just right in front of them, 30 feet away. Uh, Hopkins, uh, so, seeing uh, it again. So we watched it a, a week or so ago together. Yeah. And then I loved it so much that I, I burned through it again uh, today. Nice. Before you got here, I watched it in full. I watched it like two nights ago. (laughs) Yeah, I like already wanted to watch it again. And Hopkins in that scene, it's kind of like seeing um, 
usual suspects for a second or third time, and you can watch Kevin Spacey totally. baiting uh, the detective. I know what you mean, yeah. And before you weren't totally looking for that, but you would occasionally notice things. Now you're really looking for it. And But Hopkins is all of his reactions to every part of this is so like, oh, what great news. And uh, Or just like being like, do you think he's alive? Yeah. I'll uh, get help. Uh, <laughs> uh, the guy working again, working from the inside to mm-hmm. sabotage without, and uh, yeah, that's when you get the, uh, it builds to a big fight between, this blew your mind, watching uh, at like 1130 on a Friday night outside. <laughs> you were losing it after this when the dummy knifes Ed Louder. Yeah. And you're just like, what is happening? Like, is the dummy alive? There, Bef- so, yeah. Anthony Hopkins runs off to find help. Yeah. Because of finding the body. Ed Louder takes this time to go to Hopkins' cabin on the lake and go through his stuff. Yeah. To so see what's going on we, here. We mentioned earlier, kind of as a joke, but kind of more I think about it, the more it's it's real to call it like bad lieutenant. Mm. <laughs> uh, the idea that... Uh, you know, we're catching, we think we're catching Hopkins at a bad time, and just the bad times are getting worse. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, Ed Louder finding his bloody man, bloody ventriloquist dummy wig in a in a suitcase. He finds and, the, yeah, he finds the Meredith's wallet, I think. Yeah. And, but so he's going through Hopkins' stuff. You think Hopkins has run off to find help. Yeah. And the dummy is there in the background. And yeah. I, the whole movie, I'm trying to think, are they going to make the dummy real or not? Of course. Because when you name a movie Magic, right? I think you're trying to tell me Magic is real and is going to play a part in this movie. And so, and that's the worst, that's the dumbest way to do it. Well, Those movies like The Prestige or something, uh, when it's like, it turns out it was just magic all along. And so all <laughs> these special effects, we don't have to explain. Right. It was a cloning machine that yeah, Tesla made. It's just up. Oops, spoiler. cheap. You um, know, like, oh, so they were able to just do whatever they wanted and explain away by going, it was because of magic. Yeah. But I was expecting, like most ventriloquist dummy movies and shows and Twilight Zone episodes, the dummy was going to be real at some point. Yeah. I really did think so. And there's a scene where Louder's, there's a shot anyways, where Louder is going through the stuff and you see the dummy in the back or maybe in a mirror reflection and its head moves. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. The dummy is coming to life. And you, it's going to take ex- its revenge. You exclaimed when it happened. And that's the kind of thing. And Louder kind of notices it and looks over. Yeah, he sees movement. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. This <laughs> dummy's about to get up and start moving. Yeah. And he goes over to it and its lip starts quivering. Oh, man. The and upper I'm like, lip. What the fuck is the going The upper on? lip quiver. There are so many. Points it of pressure out, on man. this face, on this, on fats. It freaked me out so bad. And then, yeah, all of a sudden he's got a little pocket knife, and he just the doll just lunges out at him. Yeah, and stabs him. And then it's clear though the shot after that, it's clear that Louder is falling into the dummy. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, oh, they're trying to make it like Louder is killing himself on this uh. dummy. I don't know. <laughs> and then the dummy's talking, and then after that, it's kind of. It's kind of well, shown after that that Hopkins is behind, behind a what curtain. was a curtain so which you thought was the wall. The way, yeah, the way the, the movie is shot, it's kind of dark, it just, and it's shot at an angle where it looks like Fats is sitting up against a wall mm-hmm. in a chair. Yeah, yeah. And so you're like, all right, how could that 
So now the dummy's just stabbing people in the stomach a bunch. Yeah, and you think Hopkins is off somewhere else. Yeah, you think he's gone in for help But really, he has gone back to the dummy. He's like, good, now I can get away and get back to my dummy. And so once the it pulls back and you and he's like behind a curtain. Yeah, it's through. It's by you know it's by. But even a that's not obvious because the dummy falls forward and then you get a POV of Hopkins coming out from behind the curtain. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he's in the room. So you as the audience don't actually see him coming from behind sure. the curtain. Yeah, it's there's. Just, so it almost looks of, like he just enters the scene after the dummy has killed louder, right? Sure. Like, so the so, the bad oh lieutenant man. vibes keep up during these scenes because i'm I'm exhausted now i know it's so mentally it's it's a real drainer (laughs) but him uh you know when you're like oh god this is bad and then things get worse everything is on such an unsustainable timetable you know harvey Keitel, it's like oh man you got a bunch of different pots boiling on Mm -hmm. that stove right now man you're gonna miss them it's that it's when you start playing a you know burger time Right, or right. that root beer slinging game when you're just plates, like, right? yeah. oh, man, there's a lot going on right now. And now it's just like, okay, so Burgess, Mer- like Ed Lauder had that great uh, monologue about like when Burgess Meredith's Rolls Royce is found. You know, a lot of Rolls Royces turn up on in the Catskills. That's when he's like, all right, some guy was up here. Mm-hmm. You're telling me he drove 90 miles. Nobody saw him. He didn't come ring the bell. He just disappeared. After driving 90 miles. Right. And uh, so already Anthony Hopkins is like, oh, yeah, sounds like it. Like he already (laughs) has bad cover-up lies. And now he's dealing with like a second body. And it's like, okay, there's only four people in this movie, and two of them are dead in this location. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I'm going to – this is a tough bunch of plates to keep spinning for very long. So he knows his time is ticking down. He definitely gets overwhelmed after this point. Yeah. Hopkins has basically a mental breakdown at this point. Yeah. And yeah, the 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 movie of the movie kind of ends just with this despairing like just hyper intensive yeah. breakdown where him and the dummy are going back and forth at it. Yeah. And he thinks cool. uh you know, and Margaret wants him to leave. She doesn't want anything to do with him. Well, there was that. There's this whole really gross. Uh, this was very creepy to me. This gave me the flashbacks to when a stranger calls back. When Hopkins through Fats reveals that that whole intense, powerful card trick was just his act to get girls, basically. Yes. It's his way of negging and emotionally manipulating certain females, and it's a thing he's done before. He, right. He basically admits through the dummy to Anne Margaret that he conned her into sleeping with him. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And uh, she doesn't take too well to that. After she's broken up her marriage, she thinks. She yeah. doesn't know his her husband's dead <laughs> yet. It's over. But she's chosen this guy, you know, the ventriloquist. Corky. Corky. And yeah, that reveal was so cold and so I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting that. I bought into his reaction so hard. I didn't buy into her being okay with it. Mm -hmm. I didn't buy into that. But the fact that this guy has honed that behavior made me think of that. You just saw a thousand hours of my life. How many hours of his life did this guy spent honing his routine to manipulate women? And that's when you, re- that's when this the depth of this guy's crazy and psychopathy is revealed, and it's parts played him like sympathetic, 
And then you realize, like, this guy can be malicious. Mm-hmm. This guy can be dark and vengeful. Manipulative. Uh-huh. Nothing but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it's just one of those movies that I'm just chilled. I'm just, and, like, shaken. Like, oh, my God. Like, it's, I honestly think it's on as good as Psycho for a movie that gives me a lot of similar vibes. I put it on that level. Uh, I love Psycho, but I think this is just as powerful and such a unique world mm-hmm. to let us in on. The world of 70s performance comedy. We even got a Rich Little reference. For- <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. I mean, for for a movie, right, again, about a, a dummy, it really is like Shakespearean in its yeah. tragedy and, and its drama. And at the end, he... You know, eventually, basically, commit suicide right as she's about to come. Tell him she's yeah, she's changed her mind. Changed Such a night mind. of the living dead. Yeah, finish. I say this is an ugly comparison because I did not like this movie. But if you did like the movie Joker, mm-hmm. give Magic a shot. Magic is on HBO Max right now. It's easy to find. It has the worst poster <laughs> on HBO Max. Oh my god. Yeah, they so the original poster kind of uh at least the one on IMDb kind of has good. the dummy's face and yeah. the word magic and all that. The for some reason the icon on the HBO Max makes it look like a uh, skeleton twins. Type it looks thing. like a mumblecore like, comedy. A, yeah, it's it Hopkins, looks like a Joe Swanberg kind Hopkins of piece. Hopkins and the dummy with this blue uh cut off at the nose so you just see the you upper face. You see the face. eyes up, yeah. And then it's just like magic in this baby blue background. Very yeah. strange. It, strange it looks like a mumblecore comedy. It's funny. Yeah. And you sent me the picture of it. You're like, what is happening with this <laughs> menu screen? Produced by the Duplass brothers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many people have either skipped over this or started it and gotten the exact opposite. Totally. Like the people skipping over it might like it, and the people that get into it are like, "This was not funny at there was all." There's even that uh, that just made me remember that Adrian Brody dummy movie. There's some ventriloquist where he's Adrian Ooh. Brody, and I think Ileana Douglas is in it, oh, and uh, man. he's like kind of this loser ventriloquist performer. But it's totally that, that mumblecore. That sounds hipster awful. Comedy from like mid 2000s. I can't believe we're doing that. Just episode. called dummy. Yeah, next I vague, I vaguely remember it, the word, the, the movie Dummy. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen it, though. I'm not That's a big weird. Brody guy, but uh, <laughs> says the guy who just might do a Brody movie. Well. But uh, this movie, like I said, that I don't think that sounds too crazy to put this up against Psycho. Psycho's the famous one. This movie probably wouldn't exist without Psycho existing, but this affects me more emotionally. Yeah, I think this movie really... Cr- just drills into your subconscious. Yeah. Or, uh, it, it, this movie I've been rattles thinking about me. it a lot. I've been thinking about it over and over, and there's so many implications to the creepy things that happen. And even at the very end, Anne Margaret adopts like a dummy voice as she's coming yeah. to tell him she loves him, and it freeze frames on her in this very strange yeah. situation. This this movie. So Psycho is a movie that I watch, and I'm just impressed by. It's so cool. I'm, you know, I'm able to see. Wow, yeah, I, I love thinking. Geez, 1960. You know, my parents right. were nine. You know, this was a thing that existed. That seems nuts, but you know, I'm impressed by it. It's good. Obviously, it's it's great. But this shook me. This mm-hmm. rattled me. And I'm not rattled by Psycho. I love it. But this, this gets under my skin. 
I was big time. I was taken in and then just like, ugh, yeah, it's manipulative and just good. So it's out there. It's on one of the streaming services you have. 1978, the kind of underappreciated, underlooked, but uh, award-worthy movie, in my opinion. Yeah. I love M- it. More than just a, a kind of fun early Anthony Hopkins bit. Like a real, a, a movie that really will, I think, impress people if they watch it today. It, it holds up very well yeah. to modern viewing. And when I'm thinking of 78, I think I earlier said, you know, top three for 78. That's a year that had Halloween and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm. And I put that right there. Uh, magic seems like it, it belongs there. You know, Dawn of the Dead was that year. Those four movies all came out in '78. How nice. do you how do you order those? You know, but Magic I think belongs in the discussion with those. It's not, but I like it being on HBO Max. That's not the kind of movie I expected to be on the service. Mm-hmm. Netflix has cut their '60s and '70s and even '80s movies. A lot more modern focus. And so when a streaming service is like, here's this Anthony Hopkins as a crazy ventriloquist movie just cool. a young 41 year old kid yeah just a spry bright-eyed bushy-tailed 41 <laughs> year old but when it's on stuff like that that means there's a chance my dad will run across it hmm. and watch it that opens it up to the dads to the other people just to rediscover and this movie uh is ripe for discovery i don't think it's a buried gem or anything but it should be talking about more Hannibal Lecter is deservedly iconic. Mm-hmm. Corky. Corky <laughs> the should dark be horse. iconic. The dark horse corkster. You put him right up there. You got Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, Leatherface, Pinhead, Hannibal Lecter, Corky. They need to do a crossover <laughs> since both of these men are still alive. They need to do a movie where Corky comes back and he uses Chucky as his ventriloquist. Ooh. So you get a Corky and Chucky flick they're still making those the chucky movies Man, i could see that fats versus chucky fats versus chucky is my dream now <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize how bad i wanted something until you said it here here <laughs> go see it. magic if you if there's a good chance you've not heard of it check it out seek it it's out there it came to this it did come to this i'm eric i'm charlie magic thank you for listening guys good night